This is Greg Olson, here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual-threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. With the first pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Matthew Stafford. Stafford, step it up. Four left side. Four Calvin. Enzo got him. Oh, baby, that was a rocket. And it's picked up. Intercepted by Darius Slade. No one will take it. Hello and welcome to episode 98 of the Michael Rothstein Show. I'm your host, as always, Michael Rothstein. This episode brought to you by NFL Sunday Ticket. Pharaoh won and bet online. I want to thank, as always, all of my sponsors for every episode of my show. So we're going to start here today because it's a topic that has been pressing throughout the league in the last 24 hours, and that is the false positive tests that ran rampant around the league that, at least for now, seem to be all presumed false positives. We'll obviously see how that goes in a day or two. But consider this, the NFL in their transaction report for the day actually listed no one going on the COVID reserve list. So it's clear that the NFL is treating this as all of the tests that were in the New Jersey site that came back as positives for now are at least being treated as false positives. And that includes the Detroit Lions. While the Lions didn't have a large crush of players end up on this list, and that does include the Lions. They didn't have the numbers that Pittsburgh had or Cleveland had or Minnesota had. They actually had one player end up in what they believe is a presumed false positive on the list. That player was not allowed into the building Sunday. That player missed practice. And the expectation is that player will be back on Tuesday after the tests come back that they need, saying that he is negative. So that'll be something to monitor. But the Lions were affected, but not in a way like some other teams around the league. They practiced as normal. And this isn't the first time the Lions have had to deal with this. Everyone knows about Matthew Stafford's false positive that happened in the first week. And it sounds like it's not the only time that that's happened. And listen, that's not surprising. And that's what everyone needs to understand is that these tests are not perfect. They're not 100%. Tests for everything aren't 100%. Everyone knows this and understands this if you've ever gone to the doctor before. So that's just, I think, what is happening here now. The bigger concern is how there was a large rash of tests and that it's not clear how some of these protocols might happen or what might need to change in the regular season because this obviously being a Sunday, we're recording this on Sunday for Monday morning, that if this happened, say, a month from now, teams around the league would be without 
potentially many key players. And what do you do then? Do you kick games back a day? Do you postpone a week? How do you handle that? What do you do with certain teams? Because if all of a sudden 12 guys come back testing positive for COVID on a 46-man roster, sure, you have guys on – or 53-man roster, sure, you have guys on the practice squad. But depending on contact tracing and everything else involved, it could get really, really dicey. And then would even the opposing team feel comfortable going out and playing against said team knowing that, well, if it's not – false positives and it is an actual outbreak within a team if I'm a player on the opposing team I would imagine that you don't want that for many many reasons starting with safety so it's going to be an issue I think that's going to be worth watching this is all kind of still being figured out and hammered out it seems like a little bit as they go they the league and the teams in the league kind of have an idea of what's going to happen through training camp, but not all of the protocols have been set yet for the regular season. They still have a couple of weeks to do that, but I would imagine that those will end up being set pretty soon. So that was obviously the big news around the league. The Lions were involved with that, but not nearly to the extent of other teams. Matt Patricia, to the point, even said before practice that he wasn't really aware of the widespread nature of it. Uh... Clearly, he knew about the one case, but didn't hint at that or mention that at the time. The Lions had a handful of players, well, really three players, four players, not at practice. Three of them were with injury issues. DeAndre Swift, Bo Scarborough, who actually did show up and come out for part of the day. He's been out since really... He didn't do much on Tuesday, and then he's missed the last three practice, four practices. And then Hunter Bryant, who got hurt during yesterday's practice, the other player who was not at practice on Sunday, was rookie running back Jason Huntley. It's left the Lions thin at running back with Scarborough and Swift and Huntley down. But if you go by process of elimination, perhaps they'll get one of those guys back on Tuesday after the players take off on Monday as long as everything ends up being a false positive, as many believe to be the case. We'll be back right after this with all of our observations from Sunday, which was an incredibly hot, sweaty day at practice, including a fun punting competition at the end that might have started to give a little tiny bit of a look into who might be punting for the Lions in 2020. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTickets.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTickets.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTickets.tv and use the promo code BLUEWIRE. And support for the Michael Rossi Show is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever and just released the new and improved Lawmower 3.0. And let me tell you, it, it does 
go very, very smoothly. Their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin-safe technology that's pioneered by Manscaped. And when I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave to make sure everything down there is exactly how you want it to be. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about that charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code ROTHSHOW, that's R-O-T-H-S-H-O-W at manscaped.com. Again, 20% off and free shipping with the code ROTHSHOW, R-O-T-H-S-H-O-W at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com, manscaped.com, and use the promo code ROTHSHOW. And by the way, if you've had tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging, I felt that as I'm coming close to 40, simply making it through each busy day, everyone understands what it feels like to be tense and sore, so everyone can benefit from Therawan's CBD products. Startup by Jason Worsland, Therabody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help soothe your body and relax your mind. A lot of CBD products claim organic but they still contain up to 30% filler, and these fillers are potentially toxic. TheraOne tests their product four times before it gets to you. Every product is USDA certified organic. It's grown in the United States, and their CBD extracts are the highest quality available anywhere. And now through Labor Day, Monday, September 7th, TheraOne is offering our listeners a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products, but you've got to go to theragun.com slash bluewire. If you don't love what you get from TheraOne, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. This is not something TheraOne is likely to do again. Buy one, get one free at theragun.com slash bluewire, but only until Labor Day. Go right now to theragun.com slash bluewire. Now, back to our show. So, welcome back, and one week is in the books, and we're going to start with the end of practice here, and then we're going to kind of work our way back a little bit today, because the end of practice was, I think, the most fun I've seen in a training camp setting from the Lions under Matt Patricia. Usually, they've been very serious practices. They had, obviously, the first training camp was brutal, and that's been written about and talked about over and over again. Last year was a fairly serious training camp. They had a bunch of joint practices, and that was really all we got to see in many ways and just kind of some other practices here and there. But today, at the end of practice, the Lions have a punting competition. Sam Martin's in Denver, and between Aaron Sipos and Jack Fox, they're still trying to figure out who's going to punt for them this fall, and they haven't really tested that much at all. So Matt Patricia... It was a hot day. It was a long practice that even have worked in a water break where every player went into a cool down tent to take a break for a few minutes. It was that humid. Even if the thermometer didn't totally touch triple digits, it felt like it. I can tell you, just sitting outside, I was really, really sweating. And I mean, I'm in pretty good shape, but it was, it was just brutal to be out there. I can't imagine what it was like to run around and play football. You could see it on the jerseys. Some of them were just caked and drenched in sweat. But at the end of practice, Matt Patricia basically said, hey, Fox, Sipos, you're going to both punt. We're going to do a competition. Every other player on the team, pick a side. Pick Fox or pick Sipos. 
go on one side, and then they basically had a punt off. And this was something that got the team pretty stoked, and it was just something that was kind of new and a little bit different, and frankly, I think a very smart way to put the punters in a pressure situation that you're not going to get with preseason games normally, but allow the rest of the team to have some fun with it at the same time. The rules were this. You pick the side. If you pick the guy who lost the competition, you had to run a lap around the two practice fields. If you won, you just didn't have to do that. So Fox is from the U.S. Sipos is from Australia. And everybody kind of, if you follow this podcast, you know this. I've written about Aaron Sipos' journey from the Australian Football League to Auburn to the Lions so far, and it was basically a best-of-three situation. And they started with two really kind of length-plus hang-time punts. Fox won the first one. Sipos won the second one. They both had pretty good punts. There wasn't a bad punt in the bunch. And then the third one was closest to the goal line without dropping into the end zone for a touchback. Fox is dribbled into the end zone, and Sipos placed his perfectly, so Sipos won. Here's where it got even more fun. The players were kind of taunting each other and really kind of creating a livelier atmosphere. The players who were on Fox's side were chanting USA, USA, rooting for Fox, and there was Aussie, Aussie, Aussie for Sipos, who is from Melbourne in Australia or just outside Melbourne. So it was just a really interesting way to see practice, and I even the reporters who were watching got a kick out of it, and it broke up the monotony and the day-to-day doldrums of camp, especially after four straight days of practice. They've been practicing Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday before an off day today, and it's been hot each and every one of those days. So that offered a tiny glimpse into the punting competition. I don't think it's anywhere close to over. Fox has gone first on a lot of the holding duties and it's, I think, really still up in the air. I'm not sure how they're going to make that sort of decision. I'm actually really curious to ask Braden Coombs about that the next time he speaks to the media because that's going to be one that, as of now, seems pretty close because there hasn't been much to go on. So that was at the end of practice. Going back to kind of the beginning of practice... There were just a lot of standout plays today. It it was a heavy team day, a lot of teamwork, a lot of situational work. Um, But to me, here's what stood out. The first is a name you haven't really heard, and that's Tony McRae. He was mostly a special teams guy as a cornerback. He came in from Cincinnati. Braden Coombs obviously has familiarity with him, and he largely hasn't done a ton in the first week. Well, that changed on Sunday. McRae seemed to be everywhere. He had at least four pass breakups. He had really tight coverage on a few other plays, and most notably, and this is really where his day started, the offense and the defense ran kind of receiver slash defensive back drills, two receivers versus three defensive backs, and the offense literally just annihilated the defense. They ran 11 reps. The offense won nine of them, including the first seven in a row, and some of them weren't even close. It was just completely and totally just offense, 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 offense. Matthew Stafford threw some great passes, 
and no one even came close on the defense to making a pass breakup until a rep with Chase Daniel, Chris Lacey, and Tom Kennedy were the receivers. You had McCray, Divergent, and Tracy Walker out there, and McCray picked up Tom Kennedy, and then he broke up the pass, and it was the first incompletion in the drill, and you would think that they just won a game because of it with the way that they celebrated after McCray's pass breakup. Then the offense went right back to work. Two more completions. One was incomplete out of bounds, but it would have been a win for the offense for the most part. And then the last rep of the drill, and this was important because all day the receivers and the defensive backs were basically betting push-ups on the last rep of each drill. Loser had to do push-ups. They had Jamal Agnew and Jeremy Davis out there for the offense, and they had McCray and Jalen Elliott and Virgin out there for the defense. And guess what? McCray came up big again, more celebration from the defense. He broke up a pass to Jeremy Davis, and there were good, solid pass breakups too. Just overall, a really great day for McCray on the whole. It was really, really impressive. Those two really stood out. And then in team drills, he just was there again. He seemed, he continually got written about in my notebook. He had really good coverage on a pass that was intended for Chris Lacey from Chase Daniel. He just really seemed like he was kind of everywhere. And I know I've said that a couple of times, but that's literally, I thought, how good he was throughout the day. And this is important because Daryl Roberts really got a shot yesterday when Jeff Okuda and Desmond Trufant were both out of teamwork. And Okuda, by the way, came back today. Trufant was out of teamwork today, as was Carry on jo- as was Carry on Johnson, as was Kenny Galladay. So while Roberts got a chance to showcase a little bit yesterday, and I thought had an okay day, McCray really had a chance to showcase today. And the Lions haven't really settled on a backup slot corner. It's likely not to be Okuda or Awarie. I, Roberts seems like more of an outside corner, so they need a backup to Justin Coleman because Jamal Agnew's now on offense. And it's not clear who's that, who that's going to be, but McCray, who played largely in the slot, really put himself in a position where, hey, maybe he's the guy to really consider. Plus, he does have special teams value. And as I mentioned before, he's a guy that knows Braden Coombs and understands what he's trying to get out of special teams. So that's a name to watch here as we head into the second week of training camp. If he can stack a couple of good days on top of one another, he could be a guy that could end up being this last cornerback on this roster when they make cutdowns here in a few weeks. Other guys that stood out again, I mean, it's it's much of the same guys, right? Like, Matthew Stafford was okay. He threw some great passes. He had a little bit of a rougher day, I would say, today than it has been normally. He seemed a lot less accurate. I would guess probably was around maybe 60% completion rate today in teamwork. And, you know, I, I think that that's to be expected. I think the defense is starting to stack days one on top of the other, and look particularly good. Stafford did get intercepted today, and it was a beaut. Reggie Ragland in a 7-on-7 red zone formation. Ragland actually jumped a route that was intended for TJ Hawkinson. He picked it off one-handed, and then he returned it 100 yards for a touchdown. A whole bunch of the linebackers 
ran down the field with him. Taylor Decker, jokingly, he wasn't in on the play. Jokingly, kind of tried to Mike Tomlin-esque stand out on the field to block Raglan. They were having fun out there today, and Raglan returned it all the way. He talked after practice. He said that Stafford came up to him and said that if it was full go in the regular season, Stafford would have caught him, to which Raglan said, nah, no way. And he basically said, damn Skippy, no way Stafford would catch me. Oh, that's paraphrasing part of that, but the damn Skippy part came out of Raglan's mouth. And Raglan actually said he did this last year on Patrick Mahomes, where he intercepted him and ran it back 100 yards for a touchdown in practice, too. So this seems to me maybe a yearly thing for Reggie Raglan. He showed off some good hands, and he's a guy that more and more is starting to show up and should end up making, I would think, the final roster at this point as a backup linebacker. They have some depth there, but it's going to be really interesting to watch how a lot of that goes when it comes to Ragland. When you're talking about one-handed catches, there was also a really beautiful one in individual drills from Marvin Jones. It was a sick catch. It was one of those that you're just watching it, and you don't really know how he caught it. And it was on Jeff Okuda, and it was on the sideline, and it was just like Marvin Jones like opened his hand, and the ball just went right in it, and he was just like, cool, good, I'm good. And, I, I mean, I don't know how Marvin Jones did that. I don't know if I've seen a catch quite like that up close before because it was at the end of the field that was coming toward where the media sits. It was just a beautiful, beautiful catch from Marvin Jones. But it was good coverage from Jeff Okuda. Okuda had pretty good coverage throughout his reps, in the wide receiver defensive backs drills, he broke up a play that had good coverage on Marvin Hall. He went up a lot against Marvin Hall because Desmond Trufant, again, was out in team drills today. Matt Patricia said that's mostly largely maintenance at this point for Desmond Trufant, but that is a couple days now that he has sat out. But it's good for them because it can get them work for Okuda and typically, it would have been against Galladay, but Galladay sat out on Sunday as well. But Okuda looked sharp again. He didn't really have too many miscues from what I remember and from my jotting down of notes. So, again, a good day for Jeff Okuda. Here's one other question. And we've talked about it the past couple of days on the podcast, and it's something at this point that I just don't understand. I can't pretend to understand it. It just doesn't doesn't compute to me. And that is Tracy Walker is largely running on the second team. Matt Patricia said that they're working on rotations and trying to see different guys in different spots, all the stuff you would expect him to say. But the reality is this, that Tracy Walker, for a large portion of training camp this first week, has been running on the second unit, while Will Harris has been running on the first unit. I don't understand it from the fact of Tracy Walker might be this team's best defensive back, period. Not best safety, but best defensive back. He's long, he's rangy, he has ball skills, he can hit. There's no question about that. And it's not like Tracy Walker has largely looked bad in practices. I think he's done very well in individual drills for the most part when he's gone up against Jesse James and when he's gone up against TJ Hawkinson. He's handled himself well in second teams. At least once a day I'm writing a pass breakup from Tracy Walker in team drills. Now granted that is second team but still he's doing what he can with what he's allotted 
So I, I don't know. I don't get it at this point. And it's going to be something to monitor because if Will Harris goes into this coming week and still ends up running, say, with the ones on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday, at some point you have to believe what your eyes are telling you in that Will Harris might end up beating out Tracy Walker for a safety job. Now, I would imagine Walker would still get on the field a ton because they're going to run a lot of three safety looks, but at the same time, I just don't get it. You want to put your best players on the field, and everything I've seen in every practice I've watched and what I saw last year would tell me that Tracy Walker is a better player than Will Harris. And I, I don't know. It's... Uh, yeah, I, it's it's one of those things I don't have answers for, and if you heard the podcast last year, you know that I continually railed and had questions about what they were doing on the offensive line, rotating guard with Graham Glasgow and Joe Dahl and Kenny Wiggins, and this is going to be something that until you see differently, I think I'm going to continually question this year, but we'll see what happens. It's still early. It's still a weekend. They have a couple of other options and let's see what it looks like a week from now when we're no able no longer able to watch practice with Tracy Walker. Uh, another injury note to note how Vitai left early with a staffer. He didn't see what exactly happened, but he was he was, you know, taking walking very gingerly to the locker room and then he did not reappear. Uh, he had, the only play of note that he had was he actually got bowled over by defensive lineman Kevin Strong, and that's a name to consider, too. He's been pretty active over the last couple of days. He missed the first couple of days of practice, but he's since been back. That he might end up sneaking on this roster again as a reserve defensive tackle because he made the team last year, and he's once again showing up again in camp. The Lions obviously liked what they saw a season ago, then he got hurt, ended up on injured reserve, but he's starting to show up more and more. And when I tell you he completely flattened Vitae, I mean, Vitae just fell to the ground like he got punched in the face. Like, I don't know if you saw the the Dylan White highlight that he got knocked out in a boxing match on Saturday. And it looked like that. Obviously not a punch, but where Vitae just fell right back and Strong just kept motoring right by him. I felt the defense on a whole got a lot of pressure on Matthew Stafford, Chase Daniel, and David Blau. It's the second straight day that I noticed that, and it's more than just your typical defensive lineman pressure. It's coming a little bit from everywhere, which is different than a season ago. So that's something to watch, too. It looks like the Lions are at least showing some more aggressiveness when it comes to rushing the passer, which is something that, frankly, had to happen. Uh, you saw a little bit of Kenny Wiggins and Ode Abouche at guard, both left guard and right guard today. Not sure exactly what was going on there, whether it was actually a legitimate, hey, we want to get these guys some reps with Taylor Decker and Frank Ragnow, or if there were slight injuries to Joe Dahl or Jonah Jackson. Jonah Jackson initially was supposed to chat after practice, but did not. Hopefully he'll chat at some point this week. But didn't see anything happen with either one of those guys, so tough to say exactly what's going on there. That's a stay tuned situation, as I think guys just really were all kind of going in and out a little bit more. As Like I said, it was incredibly, incredibly hot throughout the day. 
And that's really it. Uh, you know, it's the time of year where practice is really starting to settle in, and you're seeing a lot of the same guys every day and a lot of the same drills every day. So movement isn't happening as much. Uh, one thing I would note lastly today is there were a couple more fumbles Today, Jonathan Williams, a running back out of Arkansas, one of the few running backs the Lions had on Sunday, did fumble. It looked like it was forced by Trey Flowers. Quintez Cephas had a fumble as well. Again, a little bit tricky when it comes to tackling and a little bit tricky when it comes to, you know, just kind of offense and defense because they aren't taking to the ground all that much. So, yeah, it's... uh, it's just kind of an interesting situation, interesting scenario when it comes to that. But ball security is going to be at a premium, and don't think the coaches don't notice that every time a player does fumble in any sort of situation. And with that, that's it for today's episode. I want to thank my sponsors, Manscaped, Thera One, Bet Online, and NFL Sunday Ticket. I want to thank Regents Field and Blue Wire for hosting this podcast. I want to thank my producer, David Woodley. You can... Listen to us on anywhere you listen to podcasts, really. And think about giving us a five-star review or rating if you'd be so kind. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Ralphstein. I try to post stuff from practice every day as well. And with that, we will chat with you again tomorrow. Did somebody say playoffs? NBA, NHL, they're back, and they're playing for trophies and a Stanley Cup. And our partners at BetOnline have you covered. Get in on all the action, including a new NBA bracket contest with plenty of chances to win. Major League Baseball season is pushing into fall, and there's no shortage of ways to bet with hundreds of odds, futures, and props. So take advantage of the return to sports. And remember, the casino, it never, ever closes, just like in Las Vegas and Atlantic City. Check it out all day, all night. Go to betonline.ag. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag, promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.